Welcome back to the Wheel Take Sally podcast. I'm Nick, and as always, I'm joined by my brother, Andy. And today we're going to be doing uh, something similar to what we did with the uh, Seattle expansion draft, where we're going to go through, uh, you know, 16 teams, Anaheim through Montreal. And in this episode, we're going to grade them how they did during free agency. And, you know, based off of how their offseason has gone uh, thus far, uh, we'll go through each team, look at their signings, what they've done since the offseason has started, and uh, and just grade them on it. Um, you know, it should be a fun time. Like I said, it's going to be similar to to Seattle. Um, I have cap friendly open so I can look at, you know, the cap space that some of these teams have and still uh, look at a, a list of free agents that are still available and maybe, you know, try and say, hey, this team should go after this player or this team should go after that player. Um, and without further ado, we'll go right into Anaheim. Anaheim not really did much. I mean, they signed a lot of what seems like prospects or small uh signings to their organization their biggest signing was ryan getzlaff but um you know that was kind of expected i don't think anyone saw ryan getzlaff going elsewhere uh he signed for just a i think it was a one-year contract um it's valued at uh four million five hundred thousand dollars but i looked on cap friendly and technically his aav is three uh Three million, but with a signing bonus, it brings it up to four point five million. So, uh, outside of that, Anaheim didn't sign much. They did sign uh, Alexander Volkov, who I guess was uh, uh, not a prospect of theirs, but somebody they had interest in, and they signed him to a one-year deal worth nine hundred twenty-five thousand uh, dollars. You know, we'll see what happens there. They are still linked from the last rumors I saw. The Ducks are still in the uh, hunt for Eichel so maybe they're just kind of waiting until you know an Eichel deal goes through but I mean real quickly I don't really know how much cap space they have it looks like they have about yeah nine nine nineteen million dollars they have so if they were to pick up Eichel they they'd go down to about nine million in uh cap space but other than that you know Anaheim hasn't really done much uh Looking at their goaltending, I know Tuka Rask is still available, but I don't know if he's still available because of, you know, his career is up in the air, whether he's going to return to the game or retire. Maybe they could go after Tuka Rask for a one-year deal if he's still got it in him. Other than that, I mean, Anaheim, I think it's just part to the course of, you know, keep developing your guys like Trevor Zegras, Jamie Drysdale, and I mean, I, I feel like this team has potential to be pretty good in, in the near future if those guys step it up. And then also looking at Anaheim. Uh, you know, look at their signings. Yeah, I mean, their free agents are still Maxime Comtois, Max Jones, Josh uh, Mahura, Sam Steele. They got some pretty big names. They still need to sign. I'm surprised that some of those guys actually actually haven't been re-signed yet. I don't know what the holdout is yeah. on them. But so I uh, I accidentally just stuck myself on mute. So there's the first mute wonder of the podcast. How long did it take? 10 episodes, that's not bad. 
11. Um, 11, <laughs> even <Yeah>. better. <laughs> um, anyways, I was just saying, I think it is a fair point that you bring up the fact that Eichel is still floating around. Um, yeah, perhaps Anaheim is waiting uh, for that to go through, either to obtain him or uh, have a little bit more flexibility with their payroll once he's off the, the, the trade block. Um, yeah, I mean, Miller, Ryan Miller retired, so there goes your goaltending, or a goalie, a big goalie. Getzlaff resigned, to your point. I don't think anybody's surprised there. Really, the David Backus is the only other free agent I'm uh, looking at. Barring any trades, seems like Anaheim's offseason might be a little quiet. Yeah. I, I bring up Maxime Comtois just because he, he, he had somewhat of a breakout season with them. Um, but other than that, I, I think you're right. David Backus is definitely a name that sticks out, but not too much. Um, your goaltending now would be Josh, John Gibson, and I don't know if they have any goalie, goalie prospects, uh, but do they? Yeah, it looks like Anthony Stolarz is their backup that they have for two more years. Uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, I just, I, I think Anaheim is either waiting on Jack Eichel to see if they can acquire him, or they're just going to say, you know what, we're not going to make a big splash. They're not in a position to really be a, a cup contending team and, or even a, a playoff team at the very least. So they're probably just going to develop, like I said, uh, Trevor Zegras and Jamie Drysdale and, and see what goes on from there. I mean, this team, it's not like the Ducks even need to really make a big move in, in free agency anyway. You know, it's, they're a team, like I said, they're, they're not expected to do much and they've been in a rebuild for, I don't know, maybe two or three years or so. So, you know, they're part for the course, you know, Ducks fans, I think, are going to be very excited to finally have a full season of, of Drysdale and, uh, and Seagrass, as they should. Those are, are guys that should be uh, very interesting to watch. Yeah. Uh, I know on the last episode, we even brought up Adam Henry could possibly go to uh, Seattle, but he did, uh, you know, Seattle decided not to pick him, so he's still with them. Uh, all in all, I mean, I, I really like the future that they have with Zgrass and Drysdale. Uh, those are Zgrass had an amazing, I think, World Juniors just this past uh, year, and so did Drysdale. And uh, I think he plays for Canada, and Zgrass is an American. So we'll see what happens to them. See if they can develop. And I, I'm definitely excited to see those two guys have a full 82 game ser- season and see what they can do. Good point. Yeah. All right, moving on, we will go to the Arizona Coyotes, who, you know, I'll say I, I think that they have done an interesting offseason. I, I wouldn't say it's bad because um, I was reading up on, on something and saying that they acquired next year. They have five round two draft picks in the year of 2020. Wow. They acquired five of them wow. um, this this offseason. Um, I think the they have an Islanders one that was a part of the Lad deal. 
the Flyers one was a part of the Gostas Bear deal. I don't know what the Sharks one is for or the Canucks one. Oh, the Canucks one might be from the Oliver Ekman Larson trade. And the only one I don't know is the uh, the Sharks one. But, you know, I, I think that they're a team that's still rebuilding. They've had a lot of, uh, you know, issues with management, uh, you know, coming out and saying that the team is just really, really disorganized, almost similar to like a Buffalo Sabres situation where management just seems to be its own worst enemy. Yeah. Uh, they did lose, uh, who was it, um, to the Canucks. They lost uh, was it Clayton Keller or, oh man, who did they lose to them? I forget. It was the guy who was traded to the Canucks and was basically like, I wasn't even told that I was going to be traded. You know, and, and then he's on. Oh. Was it, it was Connor Garland. That's who it was. Right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, I think you got it. Okay. Yeah. There was a lot of that this offseason. I mean, you know, we can go right to it. The flurry one is probably the hottest headline of a guy who didn't, who wasn't told about his trade before it hitting the, the, the you know, the media. Sorry. Oh, yeah. I agree. I mean, him, Connor Garland, and there are definitely a few other guys that were kind of just. Plus, they had that. Um, oh, no, this is Arizona. Sorry. I was thinking of Minnesota for a brief minute. Yeah, no, the, the Coyotes haven't done too bad. They did sign to Zingle, um, yes. which is a, this is a pretty solid pickup. He's a nice, uh, he's probably a guy who could even play line one minutes for you. But really good second line, third line forward there. Yeah. Um, they also, it looks like they lost a lot of guys to to just like free agency signings and retirement. Jarmelson retired. Yeah. No, nobody too big, though. I mean, Alex Goligoski went to Minnesota. Jordan um, Osterley went to Detroit. And Antiranta went to Carolina. I mean, there were too many big names. Not really, yeah. Because they didn't really have that many big names to begin with. Uh, they picked up Carter Hutton from Buffalo in free agency. Okay. I'm happy about, but, hey, you know, you never wish ill will on anybody, no matter how bad they played for your team. So with Carter Hutton, I'm kind of like, hey, we'll see how he does in, in, in uh, Arizona. Um, you know, Antti Ranta and uh, Darcy Kemper seem to almost rebound their careers in Arizona, so... Really? I mean, Carter Hutton's up there. He's 35, but maybe he could be a good backup for them. Uh, and then today they also signed Travis Boyd, who I like as a bottom six uh, forward that they signed. Uh, it's a one-year deal, and his cap hits 750,000. So, I mean, I like that signing by them. Uh, yeah, I, and I, 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 I wouldn't even mind like if they like Carter Hutton. Like I, um. I would totally not mind them running Carter Hutton as like that journeyman backup. Um, as far as goaltending goes, when when your when your number one goalie goes down, especially in the playoffs, um, but when they do go down for an extended period of time, having that journeyman in the back is like almost like money in the bank. You know, they I just feel like those journeyman guys roll off the bench just so like hitting the clock and punching in, um, you know, ready to just do the dirty work. Uh, so I, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't mind that. Like carrying Hutton as like a 35 year old journeyman guy. Yeah. That's not I a mean, bad move. 
and those guys are great for the team. You know, they they're kind of the guys exactly, who, yeah. Who loosen up they, the team? They bring sort of like a, an atmosphere with them, and it's and it's usually a pretty. It's typically a pretty calming one. You know, McElhaney was doing that for us a few years back. Um, I'm trying to think of some some others. Maybe Adobin. Adobin to an extent. Yeah, I think he was in his late twenties, so he wasn't quite yet there, but. Reimer. Reimer's up there. He's one. Um, yeah, if, if you're ever in the situation where you have a, a really good goalie go down to an injury, it is it is very reassuring when a journeyman guy steps in for your team, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, overall, I don't think they've had a bad offseason. I mean, yeah, they picked up a lot of bad contracts. But, you know, with with, uh, with Shane Gossespierre, I kind of liked Arizona's move to get him. Um, obviously, his contract is, you know, not the greatest, but I mean, Arizona didn't sign him to that contract. You know, it's not like management traded for him and then signed him to it. He was already on that contract. And plus, you know, for a defensive core that lost Alex Goligoski, that lost um, their captain and Oliver Ekman Larson, getting a Shane Gossespierre to possibly rebound uh, his career and show people that he's not out of the game yet. You know, I, I think that could be a very good uh, addition by uh, the Arizona Coyotes. I'd be interested to see how he does in Arizona. But uh, but anyway, I will move on to Boston, who has had quite a off season, uh, to say the least. And we'll start by saying that uh, David Krejci did uh, end up retiring and going back to uh, uh, the Czech Republic, where he'll play. Uh, professional hockey there, uh, which created a very big hole in the second uh, line center position for them. And the projected lineup seems like they have uh, Stadnika in that position for the second line center, but a lot of uh, Boston fans, including my friend Ryan, said that they don't think he's even ready for a fourth line center role with the Boston Bruins. And then as well as Charlie Coyle, they they assume that he's not ready for a second-line position. He's better fit on the third-line centering. Uh, so we'll see how they do there, see how they fill that hole. But overall, I think that Boston's had a, a you know, a pretty damn good uh, offseason. You know, they get Linus, Linus Olmark. Uh, they signed him to two years at $3.5 million. Um, Eric Hollis signed with them. Nick Foligno signed with them. Uh, it doesn't look like they're going to re-sign Tuka Rask because, uh, again, it might be up in the air that his career is either at the end or he just doesn't want to come back. Uh, so getting Olmerk, I thought, was really good, uh, a good signing by them. I mean, Greg mentioned it, and I saw a couple of other videos saying that, you know, anybody who goes positive in Buffalo is probably a pretty good goalie, <laughs> so just see what they can do on a different team. <laughs> It, it, it's it sucks to see him go as a Buffalo Sabres fan, but you know I totally get it. Who would who would want to stay in Buffalo? Yeah, it's it is. It's tough. You gotta you can't forget these are humans. These are individuals, and they have their own interests as well. So, and he's a guy who definitely did his time in Buffalo. Um, Boston doesn't look too bad. Uh, yeah, Ryan, your friend Ryan sent the uh, summary of the projected. Um, game day rosters. It's not 
the same Boston Bruins. It doesn't. It's not the same Boston Bruins roster feel that it has been. Um, but it's not. You know, it's it's definitely not to say that they won't really amount to anything this season. I think they still will be pretty solid once they get everything together and the season gets going. Um, once they nail down the goalie uh, scenario, who's going to be starting, who's not going to be um, part of the team anymore. Hollow was a nice pickup. Um, getting Hall uh, locked down was great. And, you know, you obviously still have Bergeron, Marshawn, and Panarin on cheap money. So this team is, is still pretty solid looking. Uh, yeah, that, that comment, though, about Stanika not really being ready for fourth line minutes even. I mean, what do you... In my eyes, what are you carrying that guy for? Like, why is, you know, why are you tying up money with him? If you, if, if there are people who don't even, th- maybe, you know, maybe the front office is different. Maybe they have an idea of how they're going to use him. But, man, if if your fans really don't have confidence in a guy to be a, a even a, on the fourth line, then I'm asking what, what are they doing in the NHL kind of thing. Yeah. But we'll I see. We'll see how it plays out. Yeah. From, I think, the time that we were watching um there were a couple games that i watched with ryan at bruins games and he was telling me you know stubnik is in the lineup he he's still developing so it sounds like a, a prospect that they still have faith in uh and maybe this is his last chance i mean when you put somebody who's might not even be nhl ready in a second line center position it might be the front office saying here's your chance here's your possibly last chance to prove us uh, that you're ready you know here here we go you know, show us what you got. Uh, that might be what they're doing with Stamika, but otherwise, yeah, I would agree. You know, if he's not even ready to be a fourth-line center, what, what what benefit is he getting just being stuck with the Providence, uh, with Providence, their AHL team? The one thing I was very shocked about is that they didn't re-sign Sean Corrali. I thought Sean Corrali was going to re-sign with Boston. Um, when you look at some playoff goals. And even I think he scored in the winter classic that we went to. And I don't know if you remember, but you know, when he scores on the big stage, like the playoffs or in a winter classic, that guy shows that he truly loves uh, scoring goals. And it showed me that he truly loved being in Boston, especially when he scored. I don't think it was the game winner in 2019, but I just remember it was game seven. I think they were up three to one and you know it was like it was the third period and, and it's at a time in the game where you're just like the next goal is going to be huge no matter what team gets it and uh, I remember him scoring on Anderson and he just started jumping up and down and he slammed into the glass and I thought man that that just looks like a guy who loves playing in Boston and then when he yeah. went and signed with, with the Columbus Blue Jackets I was like wow I'm kind of like was was he asking for too much, or did did they just feel like they could move on from him? I don't know. I was kind of upset because I did like Corrali as a Bruin. I gotcha. And then they also had a Kevin Miller retire, who just has been man. That guy's been made out of glass. I feel like he's hardly been healthy throughout his whole career, especially. Yeah, he has struggled. Yeah. Uh, but you know, I, I do like the uh, Nick Foligno signing. I, I think that. Signing him to to what he got was, you know, not not too bad. I, I I didn't mind that signing. You know, more center depth is never a bad thing. Though he 
typically plays on the wing. He can play a center role. So, you know, losing David Krejci, adding Nick Foligno certainly isn't uh, the hole that they're filling, but I don't blame him for, for signing him. It's, yeah, and it's you know what with the contracts that they have, they can make they can afford to make that signing. You know, that's yeah. th- that's a credit to the GM there for being able to to make that Felino signing uh, as low risk as it is for them. Yep. All right, I was hoping we wouldn't get to this point, but we can't avoid it. <laughs> Up to the Sabers. Here we go. I, honest to God, I I thought. How could the team this year get any worse? How could we be worse than the team that we put on the ice last season, this past season, <laughs> just ended? And, well, Buffalo certainly answered that question in the offseason. Um, what's really funny is uh, I was watching a video of somebody who was reacting to our offseason so far, and apparently when Kevin Adams had a press conference um, a couple weeks ago where he said, you know, we're still looking, we're still talking to Olmark. It didn't. He didn't come off saying that they would sign him, or they would make a deal with him, but they were still in the talks, and it, it sounded like it was possible that he was going to re-sign with Buffalo, and then he just walks for nothing. Um, I, I feel I'll, I'll say it right here. I think this team is way too preoccupied with Jack Eichel and his status with his injury uh, to even be managed well, um, because this this each and every day, I feel like this Jack Eichel trade scenario gets worse and worse and worse for the organization. Um, the latest I heard was uh, Jack Eichel was checked during the offseason by the team's medical staff. They said he should have the uh, artificial uh, disc surgery, which is what he wants. So it seemed like the Buffalo Sabres were on the same page saying he needs to get it. Uh, and then his agents came out the other day saying, you know, we were looking to be traded by the free agency deadline. That didn't happen. And now Buffalo is saying that he can't get the surgery, even though their team doctor said that um, said that, that, that he should have the artificial surgery and not the uh, fusion, fusion, fusion surgery that uh, the team wants. Um, so I, I just feel like they're so preoccupied with that that their offseason has showed. You look at the signings, they signed Anderson and Dell to contracts when you lose Olmark it's not like those guys are replacements for him and you talk about journeyman there's a journeyman right there and Craig Anderson um and then Aaron Dell that guy he's, he's been a backup to Martin Jones I mean <laughs> no offense to Martin Jones but he didn't have great seasons in in, in San Jose <laughs> and he was his backup and this guy's backing him up yeah, yeah man this is just it's uh, I honestly feel for you, dude, as a as a Bruins fan. It's I've had a rough off season as a Canes fan, but I I I wouldn't be able to watch this. I didn't. I mean, I didn't know that the like. It seemed like based off of how you just presented it, it seemed like the um, surgery thing is like in the spotlight again. I thought that that was was that already a thing? Was yeah. So that it? okay. That was already a thing. Yeah, yeah. The so I'm like, just. I thought I was experiencing deja vu, but they're actually mutually exclusive fiascos over the same issue. It sounds like. Yeah, I think the moment Jack Eichel sustained that injury, he was looking at you gotcha. know, 
I think the, the Sabres originally wanted him to rehab the injury and not get a surgery. Um, and then I'm assuming Jack Eichel's agents or he himself heard about artificial surgery where they could replace his disc with an artificial one. Um, no pro athlete has gotten that surgery, so I can understand why management is hesitant in Jack Eichel getting that. But at the same time, I've heard people who have had the fusion surgery where they basically just fuse the disc together and put nails or rods in it. I think it's nails. Yeah. Um, but when they get that surgery, they ended up needing to have all of their nails within five years replaced. So, you know, if, if you're looking at a pro athlete, yeah. you know, be five years down the line and going, oh, he's going to have to have another surgery again. Whereas the artificial one is not a one and done thing, but it just seems like it's more uh, efficient, I guess, for lack of a better term. Um, but it, it's it, it's been a mess. Yeah, if it's anything like, so I don't know what the injury is, and I don't even know what the injury of the person I'm about to talk to is, but the surgery option was the same for this person. The artificial disc, when they had their issue arise, I don't think the artificial disc was really um, a choice in the medical field at that point. So it was basically just between physical therapy and having the discs fused. And the other thing about having your discs fused is you do end up losing some range of motion. Um, I don't know like what percent it's up to. Um, and I also don't know if it's like a down the road thing. Like when Eichel is 60, he might not be able to bend forward at all um, kind of thing. Or if it's more like, no, in two months, Eichel is going to be able to feel it every time he reaches for his toothbrush and his back kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, that's a, that is that's a very, very big distraction over in Buffalo right now. And Buffalo, just to save face, I think, is the last franchise that should be allowing themselves to be distracted like this. Yeah, it's too bad. Exactly. I mean, and plus, it's like of all players for it to happen to, does it really have to be our superstar captain? Right. You know, I mean, right. I don't wish this injury on, on anybody else, but it, it seems like even before this injury, Jack Eichel was probably in a situation where he wanted to leave. Um, I don't know if he and, and ownership and management butt, he, butt heads, but it sounded like since this has happened and, and the two have very different. Uh, approaches to to the surgery and to his injury it just seems like it's causing a rift that you know each and every day jack Eichel wants to go out um, he hasn't been moved just because the asking price is too high i mentioned in our um, group chat today that i heard the latest with that front the trade front is uh, kevin adams lowered his price on jack eichel um, but i just feel like any scenario where Jack Eichel is traded, I feel like it's just going to be a Ryan O'Reilly 2.0 situation where he gets traded and sure, you, you get a big return, but it's not a return that can fill Jack Eichel's spot. Uh, and then as far as his uh, like injury, I think it's a range of motion issue right now. And I did hear that he's in pain. I don't know if that's whenever he turns his neck or like you say, if he reaches his toothbrush or anything like that, but I do know that, you know, the more he doesn't have surgery or the sooner he doesn't have surgery, the more pain he's probably going to be in. 
And that might be why, like I said, some teams just don't want to go for him because it's just like, even if he, even if we were to trade for him and he has the surgery, is he even going to be ready to start? And then can he play up to his previous standards after having this surgery? It's a huge question that I think a lot of teams aren't going to be willing to give the asking price for. Because um, I think the last I heard, Kevin Adams wanted four first-round picks and a prospect. And it's just like, well, you can't ask that out of, out of a player that's got a lot of uncertainty attached to his career. Yeah. But, hey, that that's the mess in Buffalo, and Buffalo is no stranger to messes, so... It's nice. Uh, here's your, you know, your dose of reality TV. If, if uh, that's your thing, <laughs> watch, watch Buffalo. <laughs> they got a lot of drama in their, uh, in their um, organization. But to uh, spare me, I'll go right to Calgary. Uh, Calgary, their really big only signing was Blake Coleman, um, which is which was odd because I remember on the free agency day, um, Ryan, I think, texted us saying Blake Coleman's coming to Boston. I even think he said the deal in length. And then all of a sudden I logged into Instagram and I saw on one of the NHL accounts that I followed that he was signed with the Calgary Flames. And I just texted Ryan and like, dude, what happened? Like, I thought he said he went to Boston. So that was kind of their surprise. Uh, signing during offseason, and that's really been it. Um, you know, they, they did sign uh, Colton Pullman, but again, it's just this team, man, it, it's a, it's surprising to, to me that this team, I think, won the West in 2019 and then lost in five games to the Colorado Avalanche. Yeah, um, that was the year. I, I can't even believe, like, this team has just fallen uh i thought they were pretty overrated going into that playoff and i think they've definitely been grounded since then i mean clearly they have um you're right dude there's not a whole lot to talk about for them there's there's still a lot of guys open i mean i think the big thing with them is uh goudreau johnny johnny goudreau trade rumors but you know that really hasn't that hasn't that dust hasn't been kicked up in a in a few weeks or so at least for me i don't know if you've seen any rumors or anything you know i wonder with johnny goudreau do you know if, if nothing is going on do insiders just say johnny goudreau is on the trade block you know, because nothing's happening. I, I swear to God, that guy's been on the trade block since he became a flame. And uh, the team has just seemed so indecisive with him. Um, he, he's sort of in the situation. Eric Stahl was sort of like this with yeah. Carolina. He was on the trade. Tra- he was, quote, unquote, on the trade block for a pretty considerable amount of years. At least not right when he, it might not be like right when he got there, similar to how Goudreau is. But certainly by probably 2009 or 10, I think 2010 is when we got Skinner. So, yeah, like right around that year is when he did start being thrown out all on the trade block, on the trade block. I mean, I think I think, you know, because we joke so much about it, but for the longest time, Toronto wanted him uh, for Nazem Kadri. 
right. so that was that specific trade was constantly uh, a rumor every single year. There was always a different breakdown of of how that could play out each year. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, who knows? There's there is probably a level of satire from the insiders, but. Um, I also think that it, it might actually be real. It might be a true thing where this guy literally is just on the trade block every year, but it's not like Calgary's shopping to get rid of him either. So he's probably, you know, he probably is at the end of the driveway with a for sale sign on instead of being driven around to car shows with a for sale sign on, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I think he's been on the trade block at least the start of the rumors were 2015, 2016. And from what I remember, he was drafted in 2013. Um, so to me, it, it just feels like he has been on that trade block for years now. And I don't even, I don't think I've ever heard of an asking price or what his price would be on, on the uh, trade block. You know, sometimes when people go on the trade block, you at least hear about what they might be worth. I feel like that's a guy who's just been, oh, Johnny Goudreau's on the trade block. And you're just like, okay, well, you know, what are, what are they looking for? He's on the trade block. All right. That doesn't really make me, it doesn't make me think Calgary's willing to trade. Yeah. Um, they, they, see, that's, they definitely are sitting back and they want an offer made on him. They don't, they clearly don't want to make the first move. Which, I mean, to be indecisive about this, Johnny Goudreau has been in the league for, I mean, I think it's been going on eight, nine years. You know, you'd think you'd you'd know a price on the guy, or at least you'd know if you wanted to keep him or if you wanted to sell him. I mean, because this core, if he leaves, this core is going to be Sean Monaghan, Elias Lindholm, um, Andrew Mangiapane, and... Correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think I'm missing any of their other top forwards. Blake Coleman, yeah, but he just recently signed with them. It's not like he's been a part of their core. The team's definitely missing a lot of big name players. And trading away Alex, or Johnny Goudreau to me just either either you trade him or you keep him, and you just got to make him a part of your core because I feel like you're at a point where if you haven't traded him yet, you might as well just keep him. And work with him. And work with him, yeah. Build around yeah. him or at least make him known that he is a part of your core because otherwise I don't I don't expect anybody to trade for Johnny Goudreau. That's a good point. You're almost like devaluing him if if you're not if you're not making him your core guy and you're not trading him, you're not looking for the trade. That's a good point to bring up, dude. Yeah. I mean I I, I I did forget uh, an American homeboy, so I am definitely saddened, but I forgot Matthew Kachuk. Oh, dang. Top forward. Yeah. Again, even he is on. I heard a rumor this uh, offseason that he was rumored to want out of Calgary. Uh, and then his agent came out and said that it's completely false. So Calgary really? just feels like they're having issues trying to keep their core together or trying to. Seems like they're uh, gearing up for their best Buffalo impersonation. Yeah, well. <laughs> that's that's no what I'm saying. <laughs> no one can top Buffalo. They're, they're hella good at it. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. But, uh, but Calgary has definitely, by the way, I'll mention it here. 
Thank you for coming to Buffalo. They are also <laughs> part of the teams that are in on Jack Eichel. And looking at their lineup, they definitely need a star centerman. Um, their center depth has been an issue for quite some time now. Uh, and even a, even a desperate first-line center, they've needed for a while. Uh, so if they were to acquire Jack Eichel, I think that'd be a good start for them. Is it necessarily the step forward that they needed, that they need? Yeah, I still feel like that top core, even the team altogether, even with Jack Eichel on it, would still need a little bit more, especially some defensive depth that they, uh, now that they lost um, their captain, Mark Giordano, and a couple of other names I think they lost that don't, that aren't uh, coming to my mind, but I know that they've lost some defensive depth. So that, that's an area where they would need to improve if I would see them as sort of contenders. If they were to get Jack Michael. But yeah, good we'll move on to your Carolina Hurricanes and then <laughs> talk about somebody wanting to pull a Buffalo here. Uh, is that what Carolina is doing? Because if anybody had answers what Carolina was going through, uh, I would like them right now. As a yeah, sir, it certainly looks like it, man. It is. Uh... There is a lot of questionable activities happening uh, out of the front offices in Carolina. I mean, yeah, you let McGinn walk, Fogel goes, let Ned walk. You don't want to pay Ned three and a half, uh, so he goes. Um, he it's, goes and signs for less. For less, for less money, man. It's like, and then we go out and we get Reimer. Nope. And it's like Reimer Wolves. Bernier, Bernier. You got a, no <laughs> Bernier won. Well, who won so the, the breakdown of that trade is you traded away Ned and you got Bernier back. But Bernier was a free agent, so you had to sign him. You di- you decided not to sign him, so you essentially just traded Ned for nothing. And the goaltender you got to replace him was Ranta and Anderson. And Anderson, by the way, oh, Anderson, that's just right. paid more. Was paid a million dollars more than Nedeljkovic wanted. So I, I mean, here's, uh, dude. All I have to say about it is, I think a comment that you saw on the post that they made. I commented on the post that they made after it, it was a summary one of like the last seven transactions or something. And it, and I asked the question: Is everybody in the front office eating stupid pills? Because it's exactly what is happening. Like. I get it. Buffalo is in their scenario. They're in their own filth and they're trying to sort through all that. And that like they are well within their own right to be acting as dumb as they are uh, with their front offices right now. But Carolina, I mean, what what are we doing here? We're we're a team that could be that could be a playoff. We could be a, a Stanley Cup contender. We are a playoff contender. Um over the last three years, they have definitely shown that they can compete in these playoffs. Um, this past season, I know how it ended. It ended in a 4-1 series loss. I get that. But that is not indicative of, of how strong of a team they are, uh, specifically for the playoffs. So to just sort of, I don't know, because to just sort of let all that fall apart right in front of your eyes, and then the one guy that you're you're presumably saving all that money for, you you don't even he just makes an he gets an offer and you let him walk off 
scot-free and you go out and you pick up Tony D'Angelo, that's the guy you're grabbing to cover that if they are not gearing up to pay Aho, Sveshnikov, and and Slavin, if that's not what this is about, then I, I I'm just speechless. I have absolutely no idea what is what has happened. I, I don't. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard to justify this as a fan. And just to your point at the beginning of it, wanting answers, I, I'm with you, man. I'd love some answers too because I'm just as jaw dropped as everybody else. Um, I, I don't know. I, I'm trying to remain level headed about it, and I will let the season play out because. I'll admit it. When the Skinner trade happened, I wanted Don Waddell's head, Waddell's head, and I bitched and moaned about it to um, Dave for a solid three days, and it didn't take long for me to realize how how much he nailed that trade. <laughs> um, so I do, I gotta give the guy some credit, you know, some credit beyond the shadow of a doubt, and I will let this season play out. Um, but my initial reaction, this this is highly questionable. Somebody needs to to get that front office like a therapist and have everybody's mental state checked because these are some some very questionable decisions being made. Well, and it came out that you guys offered Nadalkovich one point five million. He was asking for three point five million. You guys offered him one point five, and you walked away. Couldn't you find a bridge? Couldn't you find a, a middle? Seriously. Like, that is, you you can't let a guy walk on that small of a contract. He walked for $3 million. He was asking for 3.5. You offered him 1.5. And you go from there. I mean, was Don Waddell just like, Ned, you're only getting 1.5. And and just, that was it. Like, there was no... Like, it seems like write a number on a piece of paper. That's my only offer. If you don't take it, you can walk right out the door. Is that it? it Did you even? It try? honestly seems like it because then because then they pay a different guy more than double that. So it, yeah, it, maybe maybe Waddell had something personal about Parma, Ohio. Who knows? It is. <laughs> yeah, um, I'll also say really quickly. I think. Not signing Dougie Hamilton to the $9 million, I absolutely was totally okay with. But with Same. that $9 million, correct me if I'm wrong, but with that $9 million, you could have signed um, uh, Nedeljkovic for $3 million. You could have signed Brock McGinn, I think, for his two point seven four five or something like that. And then you could you could have signed, uh, oh, man, who's the other guy? Fogle. Oh, uh, Warren Fogle. Let me quickly look up Warren Fogle and see what his contract's at. But I'm pretty sure those with the $9 million that you let uh, uh, Delco, or, um, that you let go for, for uh, oh my gosh, Dougie Hamilton, you, could, you absolutely could have signed him. Yeah, Warren Fogle is 2.75. Uh, I know Ned's $3 million. And then just to get a clarification on Brock McGinn, so out of all three of those guys, Brock McGinn is probably the only guy that I'm um, I'm like, you know, I could have hit or missed with that guy. If they kept him, great. If they didn't, that's fine. They didn't end up keeping him. Um, but he was a solid player nonetheless. And oh. definitely has been integral 
uh, in this organization. I mean, dude, he. You want to see some some emotion after a game-winning goal? You know, watch their game seven overtime uh, with with Washington in 2018. Uh, McGinn scored that goal, and I mean that's a that's a sight that's seared into my head is his reaction after that. Um, yeah, man. It, I mean, it, I I also don't mind letting Hamilton walk. For that much money that is a lot of money to pay a defenseman um especially when you have guys on the forward side of things that are going to end up needing to be paid yeah i don't know it's again with carolina this is a uh, hopefully you know waddell is operating on some other level right now and and it's just a waiting game and i'll see that level eventually but on paper it's it's astonishing. There's so many what ifs that you can pitch, like what you just did. <laughs> like yeah. you could have this instead of what you did, and you well, would be way better off. I'll even so you said you could do away with McGinn. So I'll throw in Peter Morazic, who's at three point eight, a two point yeah. seven, three point eight, and a three million is under nine million. If my addition is correct, three point what was it? Three point eight. 3.8 plus 3 million plus uh, 2.75. Uh, no, that's over nine. That's like nine. I forgot the numbers, but it was like nine, six, nine change. Well, okay, here you go. I'm pretty sure you guys have more than just nine million dollars in cap space, right? Well, yeah, I mean, we're, we're really pinching pennies here is so what it comes down to. For the price of Dougie Hamilton, for a little bit over the price of Dougie Hamilton, you could have kept Morazic, Nadolkovich, and signed Fogel. And they still need to sign uh, Svechnikov, by the way. He's still a restricted free agent at the moment. I mean, the really? Carolina Hurricanes Instagram page just texted, uh, or didn't text, posted like um, a throwback to him scoring a hat trick in the bubble. And everybody in the comments was like, sign him. You better sign him. And they're like, they're getting absolutely uh, impatient here. And I mean, the longer it takes on. God, man, I might be living in the Mandela effect because I definitely thought he was signed already. And I definitely, if I didn't, I definitely would have been comment one of those comment commenters. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> according to Cap Friendly, according to, the to NHL, according to Cap Friendly, and according to the NHL.com uh, free agency tracker, he is currently an RFA. And yeah, so. Up. Yeah, again, I, I I don't have much more to say besides everybody over there eating stupid pills. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll move on and we'll put you out of your misery because thank you. <laughs> I understand you don't want to be in it, and I certainly didn't want to save it. I mean, I'm just I'm just gonna I could go on and on about how pathetic this is. <laughs> <laughs> we we all could, we really could. I mean, our teams are making some questionable decisions, but we'll go to a. a a team here who I think has made some very reasonable decisions. Uh, I like what Chicago has done. Um, Signing Jake McCabe, again, he was a part of the Buffalo Sabres organization. I really liked him as a as a um, defenseman there. He's a big physical guy, um, and he can play shutdown D. I like him on Chicago. Um, they signed Seth Jones to his big deal. I'll just say, just to cover myself for everybody, I'm going to be honest. Defensemen were overpaid in this offseason. I don't care if you're Seth Jones. I don't care if you're Dougie Hamilton. I don't care if you're Karen McCart. 
getting paid nine million to upwards of nine and a half million is just a lot of money in one player. And I think for the Dougie Hamilton and the Seth Jones contract, these are all like eight, seven year deals. You know, I mean, Seth Jones right now is uh, 26 years old. His is an eight year deal. You know, that that expires when he's 34. He'll be 34 making nine point five million dollars. He He's not to keep up to his. You know, his. Uh, playmaking ability that he is now you um, can only hope that the cap will increase in size right. and sort of maybe a counter some of that but yeah you're right dude the defenseman this this was definitely the offseason of the defenseman they yeah. have been getting paid serious money yeah i mean kill now i mean yeah in the car uh, dude yeah nine million dollars for anybody is a pretty steep asking price unless you're like mcdavid i mean you're usually you're a guy who's who's putting points on the board or putting pucks in the net yourself and i guess to an extent hamilton is that um but man this is just this is they're gonna i think the nhl overall just values the offensive defenseman way too much and that's why, and those are the defensemen that get paid. And unfortunately, I think it's, I think that's backwards. I think you should be, I think just keeping, in my personal opinion, I would much rather give $9 million every year to Jacob Slavin than I would to Dougie Hamilton, because right. I think it is much easier or it's more likely, maybe not easier, but it's more likely for someone to maintain their defensive prowess and their shutdown mentality throughout their career than it is to maintain an elite level of offense coming from a defenseman. Even for for centers and forwards, it's difficult. You know, it's Ovechkin is basically plateauing on his statistics, and that's very impressive at his age. Right. So. And, and I didn't realize Seth Jones's contract was that long. That is nuts when you put it into perspective like that. All of them are that long, and and I'll I'll even add another uh, defenseman. It's Miro Hiskin, and I who I think is getting paid eight point four five million dollars. I'll look him up real quick. But it was like holy crap, man! These these guys Big are money. cashing in. Yeah. It was definitely the year of the uh, the, the demon, the Norris, yes, the Norris Trophy candidate. Yep, man, it's you, you only hope that those guys keep up with the, the levels they're on. Um, but otherwise, getting back to Chicago, I, I, their trade for oh. Flurry, man, they gave up nothing for that guy. Um, for the Vesna winning candidate, literally, they gave up nothing for him. I don't even know the guy they traded. <laughs> I'm no, I'm saying literally that trade was for nothing. I don't, I don't yeah. think, yeah, that's I mean, why all the like memes that day were the the. Photoshop dagger through uh yeah <laughs> through uh, oh, Larry's yeah. chest basically. Yeah, when we get to uh Vegas in the next episode, I got a pretty interesting stories coming out of that organization. Ah um, but I'm man, they, they they did uh they did well. I, I really like what Chicago's done. Um Seth Jones is gonna be playing with his brother Caleb. Uh so maybe they can you know find some chemistry there. McCabe added to their defensive core. I mean, this is a team that needed defense uh and they got it in those three guys so okay we'll we'll see what they do from here 
Um, again, they got Flurry to sort of answer their uh, goalie issue, but you know, he with his age, I don't really expect him to, you know, play for five more years. Obviously, so it looks like their duo would be Flurry and, and Kevin Lankin, and um, I, I do like that duo, but to me, it's just like how how long can Flurry last, and will he even be the starter? Is is a question I have. But overall, I mean, I think they've had a pretty good offseason um, with signings. And, you know, we'll, we'll see what Chicago can do. They sounds like they're going to have Taves back, but I don't know when exactly uh, they're going to get him back. I don't know if it's during the – before the, the start of the season or during it. But the good news is, is that he is coming back. So that's, that's yes. good to hear if you're a Chicago Blackhawks fan because it sounded like for a while there that his – his career may have been up in the air, um, but it'll be good to get him back and see where this team goes. Um, and then we'll we'll move on to Colorado. Colorado. Uh, well, like we said, their biggest signing was McCarr. Um, but you know, like I said, I just feel like paying those guys a lot of money is, and it's it's an issue, especially when you had Gabriel Landeskog earlier. Asking. I was going to say, didn't they re-sign him, too? Yep. For they an extension? Him. They gave him an extension, right? Yeah. It's another... Ah, jeez. It is so difficult to sign guys to long-term deals that are in their late 20s. He's got a $7 million cap hit for the next, uh, looks like, eight years? Yeah, yep. Next eight years. So... By the time his contract ends, he'll be 36, making $7 million. Again, if the cap goes up, you know, you can rebound. But from what I hear, and the latest thing I heard was the cap wouldn't likely, it's going to be a flat cap for the next four or five years. So you're going to be okay. dealing with half a million dollars for the next four or five years. So to pay that guy $7 million for the next eight years, I totally get it. The guy who deserves the money. Um, being Landis Cog, playing with McKinnon and, and being the captain, he, he definitely deserves it. But, you know, could him and the Kale McCarr signing kind of hurt them in the future? We'll see. Um, but, you know, I mean, that's – they're Colorado. They, they've been a, a, a cup contender for a while now, though they're kind of in – I would say they're the Washington Capitals of uh, the Western Conference because – I could see that. It seems seems to always be a cup contender every year, and their odds are always high. But, man, when it comes time to perform, they fall flat, uh, especially the last two seasons. I just felt like they they had a better chance, I think, this season, but obviously running into Vegas in the second round kind of hurt them. I felt I, like Dude, and I, I still thought that that was going to be – I know I was – I think I made the statement not to count uh, Vegas out. But, I mean, deep down, I was ready for Colorado to, like, make that statement. Like, hey, just like how Washington – dude, the great parallel. Just like Washington did the year that they beat Pittsburgh. Like, I was ready for um, Colorado to, to win that Vegas series. And, you know, they have a uh, – well, at the time, it was just a sitting duck in Montreal um, ahead of them. So I, I thought when they started that series, it looked fairly promising for them. Um, but yeah, they they just I think they won those. Did they win the first two games of that series, and then they just conked yeah. out? Yep. Yeah. So the first it two was and 
dude, I remember when they won the first two games, everyone was saying Vegas is going to get swept. Vegas is watch out for yeah. Colorado. They're going to sweep. That didn't happen. Now it was like, you can't speak that soon, man. There were two home games, one of which Robin Leonard started and not Flurry. So, yes, yeah. To me, it was a very overreacted uh, response to the first two games when you haven't even played a game yet in Vegas. Um, but looking at their, uh, the people they've lost, I don't know. I mean, they're not part of their core, but certainly big components of their team. And Philip Grubauer and Brandon Sod. Grubauer was big. That was a Grubauer big loss. Uh, though I heard his contract is being reviewed by the NHL or something like that to say it was capped. The NHLPA or something. Yeah, it's, it's, I don't know the term. I don't know if it was non-cap compliant or if it was cap uh, avoidance or something. Uh, so it might, it seems like Grubauer's contract is up in the air with Seattle for now, um, but he's still not a member of the, the But they would, even if, even if an issue arises, I'm sure Seattle will take care of that. You know, I, I imagine if, if it is a defunct contract, I imagine that uh, issue would get corrected pretty quickly. Right, right. Because uh, that's kind of what happened with Kovalchuk uh, back when he signed that like 13 or 15 year deal. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you remember that. You might not have been old enough. You do? Okay. I do, because that was, I don't think it was the same year when Ryan Suter and Zach Parise signed their deals, but. Uh, that was at a time where to avoid giving a guy a lot of money, uh, they would sign him to like a really long, you know, 15 right. year, 12 year deal. So that way their cap hit would be lower, uh, which I think is why now the maximum amount of money or not money, the maximum amount of length you can sign somebody to is eight years. Okay. That makes sense because I think Kovalchuk did a 10 year or 15 year, $110 million deal. And then the NHLPA said something about it. You know, they put the kibosh on it. And I think it ended up still being like a 10-year contract, just different terms. Right. And right. then, yeah, I haven't seen a contract of, of that length since then. So there's I'm pretty there's sure that. that. And um, the Ryan Suter, Zach Parise contract ended up hurting Minnesota because even though they got them under the cap, or at least them got to a fair uh, contract deal. You can't sign a guy for that many years. I think it was 12 years and expect them to still produce at a value that they were originally signed for. So they were right. they were both bought out. Um, and then I think Brian Suter is now on the Dallas Stars. Uh, and then Parise still has to be signed, though he is linked with the New York Islanders. But yeah, okay. Colorado lost, I thought, two pretty um, high-valued guys to their core and, and Philip Grubauer and Brendan Saad. And then they even lost Pierre and Edward uh, Belmar to the Tampa Bay Lightning. But he was like a bottom six guy who was a really good uh, penalty killer and could produce at a relatively great rate for a bottom six forward. Um, but other than that, I don't really think Colorado's too upset besides not re-signing Philip Grubauer. Um, but uh, we'll, we'll move on to Columbus. And uh, Columbus, man, this team, this team, what a fall of grace this team's had. They, uh, another another guy, Zach Wierenski, right, 24 years old. It's signed to a 
six-year deal where he's making $9.583 million. I'm like, why are you giving that guy that much money? I mean, because you don't do that. Him and Line A, by the way, uh, are worth over $16 million. Just those two guys. Yeah. <clears throat> now, they did re... They did re-sign Alexander Texier to, to a very cheap deal. Um, and they Corallian. Yep, they brought Corallian. And they got Jake Bean from the Carolina Hurricanes. Um, so I really like those signings. Uh, they also re-signed Boone Jenner. Uh, this is a team, I think, that you're going to start seeing a, a rebuild in. They have yes. lost so many big names in just the last three seasons. They've lost to Shane, to Zingle. Uh, Bobrovsky, Panarin, Max Domi is still with them, but I doubt he sticks around. Uh, who else did they lose? Dennis Savard. I mean, just to name a few. Seth, was <laughs> Seth Jones? Seth, yeah, boom, there you go, Seth Jones. Um, and now that tandem of Seth Jones and Lorensky isn't there, and I, I, that was a really good tandem for Columbus, but it's gone now, uh, which is really unfortunate because. Those two guys playing together were really, really interesting to watch. Uh, but, yeah, this team, I think they're going to be in a rebuild uh, for sure. Definitely, man, especially with, you know, Torts is gone now and he's in the studio uh, for ESPN. So yeah. you don't even have to worry about him coaching another team and walking up to your locker room during the <laughs> or after the game. Um, but... Uh, no, I agree. It's it's time for Columbus to buckle down and uh, start remember you know start reminding us that they're the team that smoked Tampa Bay in in round one the last time they didn't win a cup. So you know let's not forget that they definitely want to get back to that echelon, I believe. And um, moving on from Torts was the first step towards that. And this off season is the biggest you know this is the pivotal point this is where you start building for that that run now that Torres is gone so we'll see i before we move on i will say this is my bold prediction though it's not going to be too bold look for patrick liney to be a rental uh, at the deadline for a team who is looking to push for the playoffs or be a contender he only signed one year. He accepted the qualifying offer that the Blue Jackets gave him at seven and a half million, but it's only for one year. I just don't see uh, Line A really sticking around with this team. And if Columbus is at a point where, you know, they're not in the playoff spot from the trade deadline, I would certainly have. I would certainly expect teams to to look to trade for him as a as a rental uh, to make the push for the playoffs or solidify their already existing uh, roster. Yeah, or to cover like an injured center or something. Yeah. Or forward, I mean. Yeah, it's, man, I, I feel bad for Columbus because I really like Columbus, but, you know, they've just lost a lot in the... In the uh, they have, yeah, they've done some self-harming. Yeah. That's a team that needs to look at their prospect pipeline and hopefully... The, and get some guys who uh, who are good and ready to be brought up. But we'll move to Dallas. So Dallas has had a, an interesting offseason. I right off the bat, 
I really like the Brandon Holpe signing, by the way. Uh, I think a lot of people have looked at Braden Holpe and just brushed him off. But I really, really like the, the Braden Holpe signing. He, to me, at a one-year deal worth two, $2 million is like a no-brainer. And anybody who overreacts to a one-year deal, like, well, that person's overpaid. It's like, dude, it's a one-year deal. Yeah. I couldn't even believe yeah. people thought that he was overpaid at $2 million. I couldn't believe those people existed. But, hey, they do. Hey, everybody's a critic, right? Yeah. Um, Hey, in a, you know what? In a league with the cap as low as it is relative to other teams, I get it. Uh, Two million is, in the right scenario, is a lot of money to give a guy. Um, I did. I saw a graphic today, and it was, I think it was Buffalo's uh, salary. Maybe you guys sent it to me. Buffalo's salary as a whole. Oh. It's equal to Steph Curry's yes. individual salary. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, that and dude, cheap guys in the NBA, a cheap like throwaway guy in the NBA is like a ten to eight million dollar contract, and that's just, I mean, that's ludicrous money basically in the NHL. You gotta be prime Ovechkin, prime McDavid, prime Crosby. That's who you have to be to get one of those contracts, or Dougie Hamilton apparently. Um, or a defenseman, rather. It's, it's, uh, I think it's a pretty good deal. It's, it's a, like, to your point, it's a, it's only one year. It's only a one year deal. I mean, what do you have to lose from what happened last season kind of thing? You know, that I think that's a pretty solid pickup. Uh, that's a guy who has had a taste of the cup. And, um, if you did make it to the playoffs, He's a guy who, just like Price, would flip that playoff switch and he'd be a totally different goalie than he was during the regular season. Yeah. And that's where your money would really uh, start returning. That's, that's where you could really start, you know, saying to all those critics, you know, uh, was $2 million still too much? <laughs> right, exactly. I mean, it's a no, it's a low-risk, high-reward. You know, if he's a great season at $2 million, it's a great signing. Nice. And maybe nice. you I'm glad you're using my formula there. Yeah, I mean, it, to me, like there are there are a couple of contracts when we go, um, you know, further into other teams where they sign for one year and everyone's like overpaid. That's an overpaid contract. That's a bad contract, and it's just like it expires literally next season. Who cares how much they could literally be making twelve million dollars? I'd be like, hey, at least it's a one year deal. Better that it ends next season rather than last five um but i i like the additions yeah. that, that dallas has made they picked up yanni hockenpah they picked up Suter, holby raffle kiwi ronta resigned i mean they, they are definitely oh, those are some oh those also, are some pretty solid pickups yeah it is and they also resend miro hiskin as we mentioned earlier so with a team who's struggled I think surprisingly struggled lad this past season. I think that their additions uh, will definitely help them. Uh, the question is probably still their forward uh, position. You know, are they really? They're yes. not known as a high-scoring team, and they didn't really go out and get a guy that's high-scoring. Uh, I felt like if there was anybody they could have picked up, maybe they could have picked up Blake Coleman, uh, just for mm, some. Yeah. You know, I mean, I know that everyone's looking at that contract and saying he was overpaid at four point nine million, but. You know, if there's a market for there's a market for for goal scorers and you saw it in Blake Coleman signing, uh, I felt like 
Dallas could have matched that. Um, either that, yeah. I, I would say either go that route or rip a page out of New York Islanders book. You know. Yeah, I mean, looking at their uh, projected cap hit, they're actually over the cap right now. So they wouldn't be able to go out and get a Blake Coleman. But, um, you know, if you were to look at some players they could have walked away from, maybe there are people out there. But other than that, I mean, maybe you could have not signed Yanni Akapa. He was worth- that wasn't a bad signing. He how how long is that deal? Like a year? It's probably? a three year deal, and he's making four point five million in total. In total, that's not too bad. I mean, he's a guy that got a late start. I think he's only in his third or fourth season in the NHL. So, yeah, or maybe, I'm not too upset about that deal. No, I'm just trying to see if they could like have not signed somebody and. Uh, made room for Coleman. I mean, maybe Ryan Suter. Ryan Suter comes out of 3.65 cap hit. If you didn't sign him and then maybe a couple of other guys, could have gotten Coleman. But, again, I, I really like what they did. You know, they're going to give mm-hmm. Raiden Holpe a chance at Matt, especially getting word that I don't think Ben Bishop will be back. Uh, I can't really blame him for going out and trying uh, Braden Holpe. And they didn't even really lose much. Uh, their 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 offseason hasn't been bad. I mean, they start they still yeah. have a hole offensively, like we said, but defense and all and goaltending I think has improved. Yeah, and, and we'll see what we they can do heading into next season after a pretty somewhat embarrassing season that they that they just recently finished. Mm-hmm. All right, so the Detroit Red Wings. This is a team. I'm going to make a bold prediction on them. I am going to say in two or three years, this team can be a not a cup contender, but maybe even a, a top team in the East. In, Conference in the champion. It, it's pulled, I understand, but I really like the Nedeljkovic signing as yes. earlier. Tyler Bertuzzi, Dave Reed signed to a, uh, a somewhat team-friendly contract, $4.75 million. I, I like that deal. Uh, they went out and got uh, who did I mention earlier? The uh, Osterley, yeah, Jordan Osterley. They got him for some more defensive depth. They went out and got Pia Suter from the Chicago Blackhawks. Um, he had a pretty damn good season uh, with Chicago this past season. I think they got all the people that they really uh, needed. They also re-signed Mark Stahl uh, to a one-year, two million dollars yes, deal. Yeah, the here's the one. Here's the one thing, man. Um, what about Bobby Ryan? Bobby Ryan, let me quickly. What do you do with him? Bobby Ryan is. He's got one year left at one million dollars. Yeah. So I'm saying, what do you do with him? Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, maybe at the deadline you could retrade him. Get something out of him, or you can resign. So you want to bring him back? He's. I mean, I don't know. He he seems like he's found his game in Detroit. He kind of rebounded in Detroit. Um, I'm with you, man. I, I think I think that this is a team that could end up being pretty dominant again. Um, definitely, at least regularly in the playoffs again. That that Delkovich pickup was huge. Yeah. I mean, he was such a promising goalie. Um, as, as long as it continues to pan out the way it has been with him, that is going to be 
uh, a, um, you know, he could end up being a player that's talked about being let go by, by a franchise down the road and like, you know, all that they have amassed since then. So I, I totally agree. I think Detroit, Detroit and Dallas, they are playing some nice, quiet, positive, um, off seasons. Yeah. You still have uh, Adam Ernie to re-sign. I think they should go ahead and re-sign him. And then Evgeny Svechnikov, um, I think they should re-sign both those guys. I thought they had relatively good seasons with uh, Detroit. And uh, Verona, totally, completely forgot about him. Um, he definitely seemed to, to like Detroit. He was hot, um, arguably more hot than Mantha was. And Mantha was pretty hot with, with uh, Washington. Um, so, you know, if they can get Jacob Verona, if they can re-sign Adam Ernie and, and Kenny Svechnikov, it'll look interesting for the uh, Detroit Red Wings. And I think if they're a team that's going under the radar, they could yeah. possibly make some big moves. I mean, like I said, Pia Suter, signing uh, Tyler Bertuzzi, and getting Nadelkovich, those were three huge signings. Um, and Nadelkovich was only two years of $3 million, like we said. It, it wasn't a big commitment. It's only two years, so if he weren't to have a great career in Detroit, it would only be two years long. Really liked what they did here. Um, they're a dark horse for me in the Atlantic Division in the next couple of years, uh, especially mm-hmm. if they can add. Oh, cool. Good label. Exactly. Uh, they have, oh my gosh, they have $25 million, uh, $25.7 million in cap space this season, so they still have money to sign some of the free agents that are still available. Things, things are looking up in Detroit. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see with them. I'm pretty high on them and a team that we will be discussing later on. Uh, but we will get now to the Edmonton Oilers, who, I'll say it and, are the Carolina Hurricanes of the West. <laughs> this was a team where I'm just like, what is going on? I mean, you re-signed Tyson Berry, but you signed him to a pretty huge contract uh four and a half million dollars for yes he led defenseman in points last season um but i'll say this put jack eichel dress him or don't uh, not jack Eichel. i'll do uh carter hutton carter hutton dress him up as a defenseman on the power play of course he's going to get a lot of points playing with you know mcdavid on one side and leon Draisaitl on the other um they yeah, you can him. even leave him in his ice in his goalie skates, and he'll yeah. still probably be putting up points. And probably, you know, he won't need to shoot. He only needs to pass. So give him his goalie stick as well. He'll probably get as many points as Tyson <laughs> did. Uh, Cody Cece they signed. Cody Cece signed for $3.25 million for the next four years. Uh, and then a questionable, uh, and from what I've seen, uh, people don't seem to be too upset or too uh, uh, confused about the signing, but I'm scratching my head at the uh, uh, Zach Hyman extension that he got with them. Uh, It's a ludicrous deal that is really going to kill them. So he's 29 years old. He signed for seven uh, years at five and a half million dollars, which doesn't sound like a lot, but, you know, by age 36, he's going to be making $5.5 million. And it's the issue I have with these long-term deals. Right now, they're not bad. But come, you know, two or three years, this could be a contract that you're starting to go, 
does Edmonton buy out this contract or you know, what are they going to do? Um, it, it's a lot of money to pay a guy who, you know, he didn't even really score a lot in Toronto and he played on the first line with um, uh, Matthews and Marner at times. So I don't know. Ken Holland has had quite an interesting uh, offseason for the Edmonton Oilers, but hey, you know what? I'm not a GM, and I'm glad I'm not at the moment right now because this is quite a yeah, quite an offseason. Uh, I, I I agree, dude. It's tough. Um, I, you got to at least be happy with the Fogel signing with them. Mm-hmm. But yeah, other than that, uh, yeah, calling them the Carolina of the West isn't isn't too far off. I don't think, um, dude. It, it's like. I, I think they even re-signed. Yeah, they re-signed Mike Smith, and that's another deal where everybody's like overpayment, and it's a two-year it's two-year deal worth four point four million dollars. I'm just kind of like cool the Jets on that one. I know he did he's not been great for you guys. They, Leave it be. I mean, Mike Smith is yeah. he's 39 years old, and he is still a pretty solid goaltender. Um, that is but, impressive. I did not know he was that old. Yeah. Uh, and it sounded like, um, what's his name? Oh, I just had it. Uh, who's their, uh, who's their back? Koskinen. It sounded like Koskinen was on the trade block and it sounded like at one point he was going to go to Buffalo, but it never happened. Uh, so it sounds like Ken Holland's trying to move away or move on from that contract and deal it to somebody else, uh, which wouldn't be a bad idea. Cause like I said, Edmonton has made some questionable, um, signings they're right now over the cap uh so they need to get under the cap before the season starts i'm sure that there are guys they can put into the ltir but as of right now they're over the cap and dealing Koskin in a way might not be a bad idea to get under yeah good point dude now, this team I also uh, mentioned had a very good offseason, and that is the Florida Panthers. Um, it's not the other team I mentioned with Detroit being a dark horse, because obviously this team made it to the playoffs. But this is a team that I think has made some really good moves in the last couple of seasons. They didn't do too much this offseason, uh, but I don't think they needed to, just because the previous seasons, um, they, I think, acquired the, the people that they wanted, like Brendan Montour, uh, Anthony Duclair, uh, they got rid of Keith Yandel, but they bought him out. Uh, and they re-signed Sam Bennett, who Sam Bennett seemed to find, I mean, his home in Florida. And he, he seemed to struggle in Calgary, and it was up to a point where it was like, is this guy even NHL worthy anymore? And then he goes to Florida, and he just has a stellar uh, season, rest of the season there, and they re-signed him. I like that deal. Um, as a Sabres fan, it sucked to see uh, Sam Reinhart go, but I think Florida's really going to like Sam Reinhart. And I think we can all agree their top six could be a little bit better. Um, yes, Huberto's is great, and so is uh, Barkoff and some of their other guys like Carter Verhage. But I think as the season went on, and especially in the uh, uh, the playoffs with Tampa, scoring was definitely an issue from the big guys. Yes. And I think Sam Reinhart and Sam Bennett uh, have are, are going to ease that sort of narrative for for Florida. 
Um, and then, of course, you know, their goaltending, they ended up losing Drieger, but I think they have a great replacement in Spencer Knight, uh, considering how he played in, I think, game five, four. I think it was game four um, of that series. You know, I think that they're, yes, they still have the Bobrovsky contract, but the, uh, the uh, Spencer Knight is, is not a bad backup and he's not a bad option in net for them. So, I definitely like their offseason. We'll see what they do in the Atlantic. It's going to be a tough division. I feel like the Atlantic is going to be quite a hard division, um, just with Tampa, Boston, Florida, Montreal, Toronto. It's going to be a, a race for those top four spots. Uh, but I think yeah. Florida's been Florida's done the right moves to solidify their position in that division. And they should be comfortable in that sort of setting, man. They did just come out of a of uh you know the covid year playing in the division with um tampa and carolina so they have dealt with that type of um aggression i guess that that level of uh competitiveness within a division so even though that is going to be a difficult division they won't be treading new waters at least in that front and so maybe they can focus more on um instead of dealing with this new environment sort of more more dealing with um their their own individual play their team's play and their team's um where the headspace is and that might lock things up more for them yeah yeah I, i i like florida i like them in the atlantic i was going over yesterday how the atlantic was going to play out and i couldn't I couldn't uh, decide if they should be three or four in that division. I even thought about two, but I just feel like, I don't know, with the way that Boston's playing and, you know, you can never count them out. I feel like they get the second spot in the Atlantic division. But if there was a team to finish ahead of them, I could definitely see it being Florida over, for example, Toronto or Montreal, uh, especially with the offseason Florida's had. So I like their signings. I think it'll definitely help them. Um, and if they can get some great goaltending out of Spencer Knight, it sort of eases the uh, narrative that uh, goaltending is an issue there. Uh, and then also getting rid of uh, Keith Yandel, though I think they had to buy him out. Uh, at least he's not on the team anymore. Um, it seemed like uh, Joel Quinville wasn't too high on, on Keith Yandel at times, even thinking he was a scratch by game one. I think he did play game one, but it was rumored that he could have possibly been scratched for that. And he had been a healthy scratch during the season. So to move on from him, to get to re-sign Sam Bennett, Anthony Duclair, as well as uh, to acquire um, uh, Sam Reinhardt, I, I do like the moves that, that Florida has made. And then this, this team, the next team right here, the Los Angeles Kings, this is a team I can see being a cup, not a cup contender, but similar to what I said about uh, Detroit, a team that you just don't see um, or don't expect to, to be good. But with the certain signings they've made, I can definitely see them being in the playoffs and starting to get into a rhythm of consecutive playoff years. Um, they signed Edler again to a one-year deal. And this is the other contract I was going to mention where it's a one-way or not a one-way. It's a one-year deal. And everyone's like, he was overpaid. It's like, oh my gosh, it's a one-year deal, people. You got to like, cool the Jets. 
Um, did they sign Denault, which was huge? Uh, everybody expected him to re-sign in, in Montreal, uh, being from that area, but he decided to go to the Kings. That's, I think, a contract where you could say overpaid. I mean, uh, I'm pretty sure Philippe Denault didn't even have a goal in the playoffs this past season, and he's getting paid five and a half million dollars. So it's definitely a lot to play a guy who's a shutdown uh, center, but thing is, is you don't really see a lot of shutdown centers like he did um, in the uh, in the playoffs. So to sign him to his deal was not a bad move by them. Uh, and then they also signed Anthony Siu. Um, they also have a prospect in Quentin Byfield coming up, who I think if he plays a full season uh, and they develop him well, he could be really huge. Uh, as always, Dustin Brown and, and uh, uh, what's his name? Anze Kopitar are still performing at a level that I don't think anybody expected them to, especially at this time in their career. So they definitely have, uh, I think, a core here to uh, to 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 be huge um, and, and to do something in yeah. the playoffs. And I, I like it. You know, I, I do. They also got rid of a contract in Curtis McDermott to uh, uh, Seattle, who, you know, Kings fans were surprised that Seattle picked him from their team, but certainly with a happy smile on their face they they uh, got rid of him so you know I'm, I'm 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 excited to see what this team can do yeah um i uh think i mentioned it in one of the episodes last uh during the playoffs is that you know i was i was excited to see jeff carter's newfound success uh in the playoffs with pittsburgh this year and one of the reasons is because I do miss, uh, you know, the Jeff Carter, Anzi Kopitar, and Dustin Brown trio from L.A. when they were running the tables. As you know, they were a dynasty. I would, I would give them the credit. Um, so yeah, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful for both of those guys, Anzi Kopitar and Dustin Brown, to get going again. Love, you know, love a good Drew Doughty chirp. So. Anytime there's a chance to have him in the playoffs is, is, is going to be fun. It's going to be fun hockey to watch. Oops, I did what you just did earlier. And I, I uh, um, but I agree. I, I really like what they're doing. Um, my, only, uh, my only question is, is goaltending. They still have Jonathan Quick and Cal Peterson. I mentioned to a, a, a friend of mine who's a Kings fan, I said, what if instead of Detroit getting Nadelkovich, the Kings went out and got Nadelkovich? Um, and he kind of just said, like, oh, that's just, you know, it would have been nice, but it didn't happen. But I was just like, man, if they got Nadelkovich, because like I said, to, in my eyes, goaltending is definitely the biggest question mark here. Um, yeah. Man, if they got Nadalkovich, I would be totally sold on this team to at least finish top three in the Pacific Division. Because uh, when you look at the Pacific Division, it's all the uh, California teams. Um, it's, I think, Edmonton and uh, Calgary, so it's both Alberta teams. And, you know, none of them really stick out to me as teams that are really going to make it far or even be good. Um it's it's going to be the Kraken, Golden Knights, Calgary Flames, Edmonton Oilers, Vancouver Canucks, and like I said, the three California teams. So I feel like they could finish top three um, if they get good goaltending. If they can acquire it somehow, 
that's a team to look out for right there. Yeah. Without further ado, we will go to Minnesota Wild. The Minnesota Wild have kind of had a meh offseason to me. Um, they lose Ryan Suter, who they bought out, and they also lose Parise. But technically, he's still available because he's still a free agent. Um, but they signed John Merrill, so I guess that fills in Suter's role. Uh, they also still need to sign Kaprizov and Fiala, if I'm not mistaken. And yes, I, I was going to bring up Kaprizov. I wasn't yeah. sure of the, his status yet. Yeah, so man, I, it sounds it doesn't sound like he's going to leave the organization, but the sign that the fact that he's still not re-signed at this point kind of maybe gives people the impression is he asking for too much? Is term an issue? What's the reason why he hasn't? Well, and we did have that rumor at the beginning of all of this. Uh, that he was that he was in Russia looking to join in the KHL, that had to be uh, debunked, and so that you know kind of already got this started off on a weird foot per se. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm. I mean, I don't want to say it, but I mean, I think if I'm a Minnesota fan, at least specifically with him, if he's the guy that you're looking at that you want definitely back uh i'm a little unsettled by how it's all playing out but again patience is everything it is the off season still so you know the the signing might still happen who knows what's going on in the background right and and that was my that was going to be my take is you know the fact that kaprizov still hasn't been signed yet and recently i guess he posted a video or picture of him like uh uh not jet skiing but it's like when you're oh wakeboarding i saw this. yes yeah yeah yep and the caption basically was like uh minnesota wild fans how are you feeling because it's like instead of him you know being signed already he's wakeboarding you know uh and to me it just felt like it would be unsettling for me to not see him be re-signed as a Minnesota Wild fan. And even Kevin Fiala, who Kevin Fiala has rebounded in Minnesota, and I feel like re-signing him can be a, a huge uh, addition for them or by them. Uh, so I, I would like to see both those guys signed soon if I'm a Wild fan. Uh, yeah. If they aren't, I don't know. If, if this team doesn't have too much, too many big names, too many uh, – the top six guys that could really, I mean, especially with the season they just had, where they almost finished first in a division with, you know, Vegas, Colorado themselves. And, you know, it, man, it, it just, if they don't, if they don't uh, live up to those standards like they did, I just feel like this team's going to sort of be like Columbus, where they used to be contenders for the playoffs to suddenly they're looking to rebuild, uh, especially if Fiala and and uh, Caprizo. Yeah, it, it, I think it could very well go that way for yeah. them. I feel like they're at that point. I mean, they broke out last uh, season, but again, nothing in the playoffs. They did take Vegas to seven games, almost overcoming a 3-1 series deficit. But I don't know. I feel like if if they can't get those two guys, this team is going to be eh, – it's going to be like a Columbus team. Because yeah. even with Columbus, they didn't. They had more big names than the Minnesota Wild had. 
but we'll see. Time will tell, and hopefully those guys are re-signed. I'm sure they'll re-sign. It's just, you know, it's the off-season. There's further it goes on. going on. Something is going on, yeah. Yep. And then the final team that we will talk about is the Montreal Canadiens. The runners-up in the Stanley Cup this past season. Uh, their signings, I think, not bad. I actually like their signings. Uh, they signed David Savard, who beat them in the uh, Stanley Cup Finals. It's always funny to see teams, or players rather, who, you know, win the championship team, win with the championship team, and then go to the team that uh, they beat, or vice versa, where you have a Corey Perry who lost uh, to the Tampa Bay Lightning and then re-signed with, or signed with them. It's always Aginla. funny. Again, love with the Bruins. Uh, yep. Reminds me of this, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, I like that signing. They they got uh, Mike Hoffman. I thought that was huge. People might have an issue with Mike Hoffman in the sense that maybe he's paid um, more than he should or he's just not scoring up to his standard. But I actually do like that signing a lot. Uh, they picked up Cedric Paquette. They re-signed Armia. Uh, like I said, they didn't um, re-sign Philip Deneau. But, you know, like I said, with the money that he went with, I just felt like Montreal was too much for them. They are over the cap right now. Um, Shea Weber, though, is not likely to even play this season. Uh, it sounds like his career actually might even be over. Yikes, I did so, not know like, that. Yeah, from what I've heard, I don't what know. What's the injury? I don't oh, know. Okay. Injury. Um, but off the top of my head, uh, one of the insiders came out and said that it's, he's, it's likely he doesn't play this season and his career is on the line. And that would answer the uh, question we had in the previous podcast where we summarized the um, Stanley Cup playoffs and where I broke the story that apparently uh, after the handshake line, the uh, Montreal Canadiens had their own handshake line for Shea Weber. That would probably explain that a lot more and make. Yeah. Dang, I did not. I didn't realize how like how serious his injury was. Yep, it's it's insane, man. Uh, and I don't know how much term he has left on his contract, but um, it's he's got a couple of years on it from what I remember. So it's going to be a difficult situation to kind of work around. Yeah, I imagine. But uh, they also have Jesperi um, Kakiniemi to re-sign, too. It looks like he's an RFA, so... They'll have to re-sign him, but at the moment, they don't have room for him. Uh, but again, I don't think the LTIR is accurate uh, because it doesn't have Shea Weber on it there yet. Um, and Shea Weber, yeah, it looks like he he's on the injured reserve right now, but I think by the time the season starts, he'll be on the uh, LTIR. But it looks like he signs for Five more years. Holy They're crap. decent, man. I I like uh I like them letting go of Perry, and I'm and I'm liking yeah. the pocket pickup. Yeah, I think you're gonna drop a lot of um. It, how do I phrase gonna this? Get more speed. You're Corey, probably gonna get more what? Speed. Corey Perry wasn't really a fast guy in the bottom line. I mean, that true. Stall Perry was, and and I forget the third guy, but it wasn't really a fast line, and although. They had their scoring chances. You know, speed was definitely an issue on that line. And I think Tampa yeah. really just took it to them. 
The the thing that I like about it is I think with Paquette, you're picking up a much more respected physical force. Corey Perry's fun. You know, he's a funny guy to watch. He he loves to get under your skin and everything, but he does it in such a ticky tack sort of manner that it, it's almost, you know, he he's almost probably laughed at as the playoffs go on. Like I'm sure like Maroon was laughing at him when he was trying any of that stuff. Right. Uh, if he was, he, I don't really think we saw a whole lot of the typical no. Corey Perry that we usually do. And I think Paquette could bring like a much more serious tone um, with the, you know, being in the lower line than Perry could. Despite the speed, I think the physical presence from Paquette is going to be much more. Um, I think that's going to be the bigger return on investment for them. Yeah, I agree. Um, they also haven't uh, re-signed Thomas Tatar yet, so we'll see what happens there. I do like or Eric Stahl. Yeah, or Eric Stahl. Uh, but I, I mean, I don't think it's likely that he gets re-signed by Montreal. I, I don't think so either, I and I, I only mention this because I think this could this could be a chance for a retirement from him. I was just going to say, I, if he yeah. doesn't with Montreal, he probably doesn't resign with anyone. He actually, you know what? I wouldn't put it past the Canes to sign him again for another year. We'll, we'll see. Maybe. Hey, with the way Waddell's uh, been handling his offseason, maybe. Honestly, if they decided to sign Eric Stahl, I think that would be the highlight so far of the offseason. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> as much really? as I hate, as much as it pains me to say that, I think it's true. <laughs> Unless so there's yeah. some other big signing happens. <laughs> yeah, well, I remember um, I follow the Canes on Instagram when they signed that they re or when they posted that they re-signed Martinuk. You know, they were all happy about it and they made a big deal about it. And I just remember in the comments, like nobody even cared. Nobody said, Oh, that's awesome, he's back. Any of that. It was just, what are you doing? They well, yeah. You know, I'm like, dude, they're getting fried. They they I was going back through the comments of that post that you just mentioned and I don't I don't know why they keep posting. Like they, they need to start doing something and then they can start posting because everybody is roasting them. I mean I've been roasting them. I'm, I know you've been liking them. <laughs> you've been seeing it. So, like, uh, we'll see. Again, we'll see. I just, I gotta, I, this season needs to start so I can stop worrying about it and just watch yes. it play out, you know? <laughs> yeah, did I, likewise, I just, I want the season to start so we can stop hearing about a Michael trade, so we can stop just, uh, yeah, I bet that bad moves that are happening. I just want the season yeah. to start and we'll see how the teams play because uh, everything <laughs> else is just a distraction and it gets me worked up. I mean, when the day that uh, Greg broke in the group chat that Nadelkovich was traded, I was at the Fearbush post office and I was just like, wait, what? Because I pulled off. I was driving. I got that text. I looked oh. at it. And I was like, I got to stop off. This can't. Yeah, be. you were fuming. You, you Dude, were I so was... pissed. <laughs> and, and what was so funny is that was the first of very many questionable decisions. And I was hard on that. And then as yeah. I kept going further and further, I'm like, what are you, are you expecting to sign Svechnikov at like $12 million? Is this why you're shedding all this cap? I, yeah, I hope not. But it does bring that question up. It's a good point. Like, what, what is all this money for? That's why I'm saying, like, I hope 
somebody like Slavin just gets paid through the nose because of all this because otherwise it's like what is the point what was what did we save all that for yeah yeah and and plus the other thing too is is i just feel bad for slavin because he came out and said he wanted dougie hamilton to be his as his partner partner, yeah and waddell was just like here's six million dollars and dougie hamilton (laughs) i just got off the phone with new jersey they're gonna give me 9.5 you can't be serious with six million nope take it or leave it Guess Are you I'm kidding leaving. me? We just told Nedeljkovic no because he asked for three and a half. <laughs> You're damn I'm, right. We'll tell you no to nine so, and a half. So before we wrap this up, I'll just say this. If if Nedeljkovic ends up having the career we expect him to, where he's yeah. you know, not a Vesna Trophy winner every season, or a Vesna Trophy finalist, I should say, but continues to have the stellar career, and you know he ends it, I'm just going to look back at that and go, you, you could have had that guy for $3 million. You could have locked that guy that's, up for $3 million. That's what I'm saying, man. This I could easily see this being a, like in a, in a 20, 30-year time, we might end up seeing a documentary that looks back on this move. Like, like similar to how, who was it? Was it Jordan or Bryant who, who was first drafted by the uh, Charlotte Hornets and then got traded before they even got to play? It's going to be something like that. Yeah, I think. Or, or like uh, I guess when Eric Lindros was uh, drafted by the uh, uh, Quebec Nordiques, he immediately requested mm. the and refused to put on the jersey because he didn't want to play for them. Like, damn, that's just that is wild. But well, at quickly, least that's like a player putting that in. Yeah. Yeah, I'll quickly correct myself. Dougie Hamilton didn't make nine point five; he made nine million, but still. Offer a guy six million dollars who knew he could get nine million dollars in the open markets, just crazy. <sighs> but hey, you know we'll what, Ann? I'm gonna put you out of your misery. We'll stop talking about that. <laughs> stop talking about this. Thank you. Just like you said, we can go on. Gotta go see a therapist after these podcasts. <laughs> both, both eyes. I mean, I tell you, dude, if Jack Eichel goes and it's Ryan O'Reilly 2.0, I might just stop. Stop following the Sabres, and I might just I, yeah, and I wouldn't blame you. Just be like, I, not I don't know, deal with that. But anyway, we'll wrap it up here. Uh, like I yeah. said, we'll be doing um, let's see who do we leave off first. We, leave, we left off at Montreal, so we'll be picking Montreal. up at Nashville, and we will be going all the way to the Winnipeg Jets, including the Seattle Kraken, obviously, because they're a new team. Um, that will likely come on Friday uh, tomorrow. If anyone wanted to know, tomorrow's my birthday, so we won't be uh, making a part two of this episode. Uh, but we will be doing a bonus episode tomorrow. Uh, so we'll record that and post that uh, in between the, the main episodes. Um, but other than that, uh, you know, wonderful as always, and, uh, you know, in, including all the people that listen to us, we really appreciate it. It's, it seems like it's picking up. I, I got a couple of people in the group chat who are listening, so I'm happy about that. And uh, like I said, we got the uh, the Instagram uh, at Wheel Take Selly, yeah, um, av- available for you guys. So we'll be posting about this episode. Other than that, we uh, we appreciate you listening to us, and uh, as always, peace, peace out. out.